Well, hello everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome back to Cryptids Decrypted. Uh, my resolution is to edit these episodes probably a little faster than I have been because we recorded this all the way back in December and uh, like early December too. And I've just, uh, I've been lazy. You know, there was an insurrection in the United States. Lots of shit's happening. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll do better. But today we are going to talk about some leprechauns. Uh, before we get there, uh, quick reminder, if you want updates on when new episodes are coming out, uh, maybe some bonus content, who knows. I, I I put all sorts of shit in this newsletter. You, you really never know what you're going to get. It's kind of like a box of chocolates if occasionally it contained mythical creatures that were on the edge of existence. So, you know, uh, basically Forrest Gump, same thing. Anyways, head over to MacAshton.com slash subscribe. You can get yourself on that newsletter. It is it's pretty great. I mean, I write it, so come on. Come on, guys. Go go ahead over there and subscribe. You can also, uh, there's all sorts of stuff on the website. Bad movie reviews. I reviewed Wonder Woman 1984 recently. So, you know, whatever floats your boat, it's there. Uh, I will talk to you at the end of the episode, tell you what's coming up next, but enjoy. Alright, so this is it. Episode 5 of our off-the-rails season of Cryptids Decrypted. Today we are taking a, a, a strange bend into folklore, which it's it's been quite a while. I think like the last big piece of folklore we did was uh, the Jersey Devil. Would you consider the Wendigo folklore? I... Half and half, because the well, well, like the Wendigo is is a creature of like Native American mythology. I, I would call it more mythology than folklore. Um... But yeah, it's tough to say. Tough to say. It probably, it's also got re- a lot of real sightings, but then again, so does this. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. But anyways, I'll, I'll get into our topic in just a minute. But on the uh, request of one of our one of our listeners, I was going to go back and revisit an old myth. Uh, so this is brought to us from our Instagram. And they suggested that we go back and take a look at new evidence that comes to light for old myths or just maybe things that we might have missed. So jumping in, I wanted to go into a sighting about giant squids that we we had not we had not covered, given that we did it in a Cryptid Royale episode. So I think it's it's worth going back. So and by is, giant squids, we're saying the Kraken, right? Yeah. Yes. The Kraken, which is, you know, slightly different, given that it's probably based on a giant octopus. So we're going to go back and revisit the Kraken. So we got this tip from Instagram. It is the story of the USS Stein, which was a destroyer running operations in the late 70s. And it was in the Pacific Ocean between Acapulco and Ecuador. And they're not quite sure what it was what it was working on. Some sort of clandestine mission, which I'm not sure how you manage with a giant boat, but apparently it happens. Uh, and they started showing severe technical malfunctions and eventually even lost the use of their sonar. And they were able to get back to dry dock, but, you know... They, so they had they had no instruments along the way back, and I guess they didn't. I don't know if they felt like they hit anything or not, but it didn't sound like they did. Uh, and when they did put the ship in dry dock, the engineers went to go see what had happened, and they found these huge gouges along the hull. Uh, and it actually said that eight percent of the ship's surface was covered in scrapes, gouges, and hooked indents, which I thought was very specific. It was like, all right, eight eight percent exactly. Uh, and then they also found remnants of, like, I guess, hook-like appendages in these gouges that are consistent with uh, that of a giant squid, but five times the size. And I actually, I, I went in, and I've confirmed that this story is at least at least real enough for Wikipedia to think it's real. So yeah, apparently a giant squid, five times the size of anything we've seen, grabbed a hold of this ship enough to, like, gouge straight metal. And, uh, a lot of crazy shit in the ocean, man. That's that's the thing that we kept talking about on uh, Cryptids of the Deep. Is just we've explored what like two percent of what's out there. So yeah, so you know, I was thinking about it, and uh, as we bring back these little pieces of evidence, I want to see if there's anything that changes our mind, and if anything, this just solidifies the position that I that I took uh, on that episode, which is that yeah, the ocean real big, and plenty plenty can hide in the ocean. So I think that it the Kraken back in the day absolutely still plausible. Uh, maybe no modern day Krakens. I think obviously we know giant squids are still kicking around, but I think you know a while a while back there might have been a Kraken. You never know. The ocean was untamed. There were pirates. 
leaving that, leaving the giant squid behind, or the kraken, as it were. Today we're talking about leprechauns. Uh, and John, you picked this myth, so I'm curious why. <laughs> uh, you know, we thought off the rails was the theme of the season. I felt like leprechauns, like you had kind of said earlier, they straddle that folklore cryptid thing. Everybody knows about leprechauns. There's something common, but as I think you have found, just like I've found in actually researching it, it's it's actually really deep, and there's a lot to it. Yeah, that's kind of why I picked it. Yeah, I like I'll be honest. I like I so I've heard of leprechauns, but like very superficially in conjunction with like St. Patrick's Day and Lucky Charms and cartoons, and that's about it. And it wasn't until. And like we can talk more about it in the pop culture section, but the the most recent time I ever thought about them was American Gods. Uh, I forget if you've read that book or watched the show. Yeah, Neil Gaiman. I've watched the show, uh, but the book was phenomenal. Yeah, so there's the portrayal of a leprechaun in the show that is fantastic. Um, I'll, I'll talk more about it in pop culture, but that is that is where my interest. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's where I first learned that there was uh, this deep mythology behind leprechauns beyond American commercialism. Uh, <laughs> what? Dude, they made eight Leprechaun movies. Yeah, again, beyond American commercial, it's all Warwick Davis, too. Uh, uh, well, six of them are, and then they rebooted the, the series. Yeah, classic. With the, the latest two, uh, Leprechaun Origins and Leprechaun Returns. I now know way too much about just, I we'll, we'll cover it when we get there. <laughs> So before we before we get into the cinematic masterpieces that is the uh, leprechaun I don't even know what you call that like a heptology heptology uh, octology wouldn't it be oh it's eight Jesus yeah octology uh, yeah tell us a tell us a bit about the history of the leprechaun myth you mean the history of the mystery sure so I actually work with quite a few people who live in Ireland and I reached out to a buddy. Um, who has, you know, grew up there, grew up just outside of Dublin to get his kind of local tale on it, um, which I wasn't actually able to find in, in a ton of my research. You found a little bit of it, but, um, you know, leprechauns are little shoemakers that dance. They have a big green hat. Uh, that's kind of the modern day thing that you'll see in like St. Patrick's Day, but the Irish folklore itself is quite rich. Uh, the concept of the leprechaun comes from old myths and legends. And there's this old prehistoric story back when Ireland was run by tribes. You had, you know, a couple of Kings here and there, but you had these foreign invaders that came in the, and I'm going to butcher this. So I apologize, but the Thueth Dindanon, that's a Gaelic term. Um, so I unfortunately can't speak Gaelic, but I'm, I gave it my best, but they effectively landed ships on the West coast of Ireland. And, their hubris got the best of them because they thought there was no way they would lose. They would just kind of take the Irish by storm. So they burned their ships because they were go- just going to live in Ireland. They had no reason to keep their ships. They, were, they weren't going to go back. So um, long story short, they got their asses kicked. And the Irish kings ended up banishing the surviving invaders to live underground. These invaders ended up changing and evolving into fairy folk of all different types. And the leprechauns are one of these types of fairies. Um, the Tuathidanon is Gaelic for tribe of the gods. Just wanted to call that out. But uh, in short, I mean, leprechauns are kind of the trickster fairy. Uh, they're not necessarily out to hurt you, but they are out to trick you. Uh, you know, if you, if you catch one, you get three wishes. But you better make damn sure you're very, very specific about what you want because it's kind of like the monkey's paw. Um, they're going to, <laughs> again, do their best to trick you. A few other pieces of history. I mean, this myth dates back to the 8th century for the most part. Um, some other historical stories basically have the leprechaun being water spirits merged with household fairies. And they're essentially alcoholics. So they would just crush people's cellars and drink them dry. <laughs> uh, they're originally cobblers, which are shoemakers. And uh, one of the common stories is you know you're near a leprechaun if you can hear their tiny hammers working away. And, you know, it's funny because that's not really a lucrative profession. So it doesn't entirely jive with 
having a whole pot of gold and that whole philosophy. And the other thing is, is these leprechauns are tricksters. They can't actually spend their gold. But what they can do with it is they can use it to trick and manipulate humans for fun. That's their entire existence from what I've been able to gather. Um, so yeah, like I had said, if you catch a leprechaun or you take their gold, they're going to be highly territorial about it. Um, and they're going to give you three wishes. But, you know, those three wishes, again, are like monkey's paw wishes. And that whole concept comes from the middle, the medieval tale of Ext... Again, I'm going to butcher this. Ectra Fergus Macklity. <laughs> they gave you uh, all the hard pronunciations a... today, didn't we? Yeah. You know, I, I, I killed it on him, Kelly Bembe. Yeah. And I, I could still rattle that one off, but... Gaelic, man, though. Gaelic is... <laughs> Gaelic's another beast, which is, you know, it's funny. It's a dying... It was a dying language for so long. Uh, there's only, like, two regions in Ireland where they still speak it. That's, like, their primary language. But what I've actually found out is the Irish government has made it... Uh, required curriculum in their public school system so that it doesn't die out. And I just, I think that's really rad. You know, the people I work with in in Dublin and in Ireland, oh, they all speak Gaelic fluently and they speak it to each other. And Whoa. it's just, it's a really cool language, man. It really is. That's wild. Anyway, uh, so this was a Gaelic story about a king that fell asleep on a beach and he was being dragged into the sea by three leprechauns. They then gave him um, one wish apiece. The other kind of interesting thing is they originally wore red, according to the folklore, and their garments differed based on where that leprechaun was found. Hmm. Uh, it's also kind of interesting that in the mythology, you know, going back to them being just kind of one of the many types of fairies, more of the solitary type of fairy would wear red, while trooping fairies would wear green. Uh, you know, and that just means that the leprechauns are kind of lone wolves they don't really run around in a tribe um which you know you look at the different stories that we've seen and that's that that jives with what we've you've seen i mean you chase the rainbow to the edge of its source to to its source or to its end and you find one pot of gold you're not going to find an army of leprechauns i mean but, it um, really it matches up with the myth of lucky charms given that he can never have his gold uh you know because everybody's always after his lucky charms yeah he never eats the cereal though he never eats it because he can't it's his gold it's kind of like wow. his gold yeah that's they did their homework on. they did <laughs> um when it comes to what these things look like uh they're about three feet tall they wear a little jacket, they've got breeches buckled at the knee, and they wear stockings. And then one other thing that's really fascinating, there are apparently no female leprechauns. Telling me that leprechauns are immortal, otherwise, like, they would all die off, but they're still around in theory. It's just, yeah. Well, hear, hear me out, John. What if it's like Jurassic Park? And uh, they can they spontaneously switch genders when the need arises, and uh, uh, life, life finds a way. Life finds it's entirely possible. You know, does anybody go out there and uh, check under the leprechaun skirts? Well, I, mean, yeah, I, I guess it's the tried. reverse of Jurassic Park because they were all female. You know, ignore me. These, these theories are bogus. Uh. <laughs> uh, that's kind of what I got on history. Um, it's mainly an Irish thing. People think that they've kind of trended back to that green color because uh, the country of Ireland has really embraced this as always happens. With cryptids, yep. it seems. You know, from Tahoe Tessie to Bigfoot in the Northwest, you know, these things always get commercialized. And um, I don't know if you've been to Ireland, Ashton, but it is a very green country. It rains there a lot. It's it's gorgeous and it's very lush. But, I mean, it is very green and it, it jives that, you know, a, a leprechaun would be, you know, a green color and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I got for history, man. Yeah, you know, I one other thing that I wanted to, to go back to, I think was just the interesting thing that the idea that it's a combination of two type of household fairies. Now, I, I will butcher these names, too, but it's uh, I think it's I, I'm going to guess Lurkopan and, and Clericon, but who knows? Uh, I will, Those are Pokemon. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> I'll put the spelling up later, uh, but... The, the, the Lurkopan is likely where the derivation of the word comes from. Those are the water spirits you were talking about. And those are like the, the, the ones that dragged that king down and granted three wishes like a genie. Um, mm. And then the other ones are just the type of fairies that I want to hang out with that you were talking about that just crush people's cellars. Like you said, they, they just they haunt wine cellars. Like there's an entire type of fairy that haunts wine cellars. And... Uh, I don't know. I think that's a fantastic myth. I wish we had more like that. Right? Like, why isn't Bigfoot an alcoholic? I know, right? Seriously. 
He's, he's, he's not he's not sentient tank. enough. We don't have enough sentient cryptid myths. I guess. I mean, that dude, he's in the Northwest. He could probably put down some double IPAs. That that's the when we do the modern remake of Harry and the Hendersons. He's he's not gonna. What what did he like in Harry and the Hendersons? What was his food? Fish sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, he liked fish sandwiches from like Burgerville. So going into sightings, uh, there are obviously quite quite a few of them, but I've I've picked. Gosh, I think I picked three or four that really kind of stand out. So the first one I found and. You know, this is obviously not including legends, which, you know, can count as sightings. But so this is a newspaper clipping from 1908 in north of Westmeath. So this is children began sighting a leprechaun over a period of several days. It was described as a man of dwarfish proportions in a red jacket that they just spotted running around. But the strange thing was that as soon as one of the school children called attention to it and like pointed it out to somebody else, the person who said they had seen it stopped seeing it, and the person that they told about it could suddenly see the leprechaun. So it was like it was passed on. Uh, the report later claimed that the creature might have been an escaped monkey. However, the more fanciful are inclined to invest it with a far more mysterious and uncanny nature. But I thought that was interesting because I didn't. Uh, there's nothing about that in the history of like like uh, leprechaun being a thing you pass on like that where you can see it and then somebody else can see it. Well, they are tricksters though. So, I mean, they could be pulling, pulling a fast one, making people think they're hallucinating. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, that does, that does fit with that sort of vibe. Um, But that's like, you know, it, it's really interesting. That is like the only mention of it that I find like, so there's a lot of stuff in the, the Irish post. The Irish post is, is where I found a lot, of like the beginnings of my research actually but uh that was like the oldest like kind of straightforward look at the leprechaun and the next one i have is real weird and i would love to get this guy on the show eventually because he's still around uh but this is the 1989 leprechaun of carlingford mountain in county Louth, uh which i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right either but I, I'm, I'm doing my best um so this story comes from Ireland and begins in a little bit of an odd fashion. So there's this man up on Carlingford Mountain, and he discovered what appeared to be the remnants of a leprechaun suit along with four gold coins next to it. Now, in addition, there was a small pile of bones and a patch of scorched earth. <laughs> like, like the leprechaun had just spontaneously combusted and left his bones behind. Uh, Kevin uh, Mc. Colty? Kevin McCulty Woods, uh, who's considered to be Ireland's last leprechaun whisperer, took up an investigation of this sighting, believing that it might actually be the real thing. And he stated that initially he was very skeptical, but he organized a leprechaun hunt all the same. During this initial hunt, they did not find anything, no more coins, no more clothes, no more nothing. But nonetheless, uh, he did continue to do a yearly hunt where they would hide ceramic leprechauns on the mountain after that, and inside the ceramic leprechauns were coins. So he, you know, he certainly found uh, a way to commercialize it a bit, which in later years becomes even more. But things really went quiet around Carlingford Mountain uh, until 2002, when Woods made another discovery of three gold coins in the area. And this is where things take a turn for the strange. Woods then revealed that the coins had apparently given him the ability to communicate with the Kareg, an elder being who apparently served as the elder of 236 surviving leprechauns secretly living in the region. So very specific 236. Um, and, you know, since then they have not found any hard evidence of a living leprechaun, but Woods leads his annual hunts. And I believe he's also part of a project where they they basically have a history of leprechauns museum and it's a little bit um like i like almost a little bit disney like there's a leprechaun cave that you can go inside and things like that which are all kind of around the area where the coins were originally found so it's a little more filled out than the uh the bigfoot museum outside of uh seattle <laughs> yeah gosh yeah the, the the tiny little roadside shack that has great coffee yep uh but yeah, it's a little, you know, I kind of wish we had a better Bigfoot museum here or something like that, but, uh, make it so, I mean, we'll just have to make a pilgrimage to the, uh, the, the, the museum of cryptozoology and we can finally meet Lauren Coleman and maybe he'll come on a bit. Like he, he's liked a couple of our tweets now. So we're getting closer. We're one day. Dude, CryptoCon is in Kentucky. 
CryptoCon is in Kentucky. Hey, I'm sure they don't have a mask mandate, right? We could probably go. Uh, <laughs> is it worth COVID? I don't think it is. I don't. I don't think it is. Maybe. Maybe 2022. Uh, okay, so the 236 surviving leprechauns, again, very specific number, but in 2009, they were actually afforded protection under the European Habitats Directive, <laughs> um, which kind of, it kind of reminds me of the hunting passes for the Hodag, um, or no, for the Jackalope, the hunting, the hunting passes for the Jackalope, like it, it, it sounds kind of like a similar gimmick, but more recently, so Woods, Woods has been talking about leprechauns quite a bit, uh, and I have a clip of him talking about leprechauns in lockdown. So I'm going to play that now, and then we'll talk about it. I talk to leprechauns, and I communicate them through, through shamanism. It's like an out-of-body experience. Some may see them as ghosts, others see them as angels. I see them as leprechauns. And what makes you the chosen one? So I was out for a walk and saw three leprechauns. I couldn't move. I was frozen to the spot. I was like that now. All right, yeah, I get them. I get the pinch. I get the feature. <laughs> I couldn't move. They jumped off the rock and disappeared underneath. And I subsequently found that when they jumped off the rock, that there was a tunnel that led the whole way down from the mountain, and that it runs the whole way underneath Carlingford Lock and over to the Mourne Mountains in Northern Ireland. And every morning when the sun comes up, all the leprechauns come down through this tunnel and they dance together around the rocks underneath the earth here, underneath the sea. So what's going to happen when Brexit happens? What happens if there's a hard border? The big fear is that if the tunnel is blocked as a result of Brexit, that they won't be have the dancing and they won't have... I mean, this has gone on for millions of years. Yeah. It's not just happening now, you know. If it's a hard Brexit, then they won't be moving between north and south. It's the destruction of our heritage. It's another part of our heritage that we feel will be lost. Of course they have underground tunnels. Uh, we, we've talked to people about underground tunnels on the podcast for sea monsters. It's, it's only right that leprechauns. Those were interdimensional them. underground tunnels. That's true. But there was, fair. there was aquifers and then the interdimensional tunnels, two, two separate theories. Uh, same episode though, which is, uh, David George Gordon, uh, in season one. If you go back and listen, it's pretty great. His second appearance. So this is kind of a political one, so I'm sorry for that, but... <laughs> Um, Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland were at war for a number of years. Um, they have since kind of made up. Uh, there is peace now, thank thankfully, and we're happy about that, you know, for a few years now. Um, do you think the leprechauns took sides in that? Or do you think, you know, they're a subspecies of all the fairies that live underground? They didn't even care. Look, I, I, I think if I'm being honest, I... Given the the mythology around them, leprechauns seems like they they just wouldn't give a shit about the wars of man, right? Like they they seem like they'd just be impartial, and it would be a real good trick to them to watch man destroy itself. You're thinking that just their island is their island; they see no borders. Yeah, I think they're more like the chaotic neutral of cryptids, um, if not chaotic evil. No, I think chaotic neutral is fair. Um, they just care about again, their they're golden. not really out to hurt you unless you're malicious. Yeah, or or yeah, I think I uh, one of the one of the things, and I'll talk about this in another sighting. But if you're rude to leprechauns, it's apparently like that. You know, it's bad luck, uh, which sounds like something you might tell your children to help them behave. But I guess a lot of times leprechauns will give you opportunities to be rude to them, and then if you are, they will they will monkey paw you. And if if you're not, they'll just like give you a tiny bit of money and be on their way. I don't know. I don't know if you came across that, but I've come across that a few times, and it's very interesting. It reminds me of a couple of other myths I've read about too. Um, like there's a there's a ghost in Japan that will ask you if she's pretty or not, and I think if you tell her that she's ugly, which is the truth, she runs away. But if you tell her she's pretty, uh, she knows you're lying, and then she kills you. So it's uh. Interesting. A couple of interesting That's not a Yuri, is it? What? That's not a Yori, is it? No, I don't think it's a Yori. Um, w- way back, there was an episode of, the, episode of the show Constantine, canceled before its time, R.I.P., where they actually encounter that myth, and it's pretty cool. I'll uh, I'll find something about it, and uh, we can talk about gotcha. it later. That is kind of interesting about leprechauns. So they, like, test human character. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And, you know, it's like, I think this is a myth primarily about greed is what it feels like 
to some degree. Um, but yeah, so it does feel a little bit like a cautionary tale, which kind of makes sense. The, those tend to be the myths that hang around the longest or the ones that when you tell them, they, you know, impart good social values. That's just evolution at work in storytelling. But one more thing about uh, Woods, the Ke- Kevin Woods, because this leprechaun story keeps getting stranger. Um, he was asked about how the leprechauns are coping in the clip with Ireland's lockdown restrictions, and he says they don't really have a problem with it. Uh, he says that leprechauns are spirits, and they manifest themselves to me as leprechauns. I visit them each day, and I haven't broken the restrictions. And he says, I communicate with them through an out-of-body experience. Everyone knows what I mean, and I can transfer my spirit up there. Uh, Everyone knows what he means, actually. Everyone knows what he means. Uh, <laughs> Just like how no everybody knows. Into it. How th- Everyone knows. Everyone knows that Rhino's fucked during thunderstorms. That, that, that is something we all know for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent of the rhino mating season happens during thunderstorms. Uh, you're welcome, Bryce. I hope you listen. Uh, but so going, going back, uh, I, I'm also finding there's a lot of stories about modern leprechaun hunters, uh, where people are, you know, set up cameras in these supposedly magical places and are constantly looking. So I found a few clips of alleged leprechaun sightings and much like the other cryptids we look into they're very blurry they're very quick and they could easily be something else and you know so whatever i've I've seen a lot of that but what i am interested in is the 2006 sighting of the Crichton leprechaun which i believe you all remember but here is a clip curiosity leads to large crowds in mobile's Crichton community Many of you bring binoculars, camcorders, even camera phones to take pictures. To me, it looked like a leprechaun to me. All I got to do is look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? yeah! Eyewitnesses say the leprechaun only comes out at night. If you shine a light in its direction, it suddenly disappears. My theory is it's casting a shadow from the other limb. Could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff. And it told him to get up in a tree and play a leprechaun. This guy helping to direct traffic says he's prepared for his encounter with the leprechaun. He's suited up from head to toe. This water's all smells right here. This is a special leprechaun flute which has been passed down from thousands of years ago from my great-great-grandfather who was Irish. I just came to help out. Others just came to get lucky in hopes a pot of gold may be buried under this tree. I'm going to run a backhoe and uproot that tree. I want to know where to go. I want to go. Give me the go. I want to go. Yeah. I So I, I completely forgotten about that video until, like, now. Until I was looking up famous leprechaun sightings, and I was like, wait a minute. This is familiar. Because that, that clip went viral back in 2006. That was one of the first viral YouTube clips, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, of course, it was it was auto-tuned. There is a lovely song. Maybe, maybe I'll play. Oh, I probably can't play it at the end of this video because of rights issues. Yeah. We don't make any money off this anyway. So this this basic story is a bunch of people in Alabama thought they saw a leprechaun in a tree and started to gather in hopes of catching sight or potentially finding the leprechaun's pot of gold, as you heard the newscaster say. Uh, the incident understandably went viral, uh, but it's I think it's, it's honestly more about the citizens of Crichton than it is about the actual leprechaun because their reactions to it are priceless. They are really good. And, uh, you know, so you hear the guy talking about the leprechaun flute. Uh, that that he he's of Irish descent and this has been passed down for thousands of generations or whatever he hundreds of generations whatever he said it was a lot uh, and it looks like it's a piece of PVC pipe uh, with a couple of holes in it and uh, I was just wondering John do you ever see anything about leprechaun flutes in your uh, in your research you know funny you ask Ashton uh, not in my historical research but in leprechaun five in the hood <laughs> iced tea nope i'm we'll, we'll get there we'll get there. <laughs> well okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna jump the gun here maybe that's maybe that's where this comes from maybe we can tie it back to another uh cinematic creation but no i think leprechaun in the hood came out after 2006 hmm interesting uh something to look into but the other thing i think is worth noting is that 2000 no you're right yeah he, he was maybe. wearing a bulletproof vest uh, and he said that the thing was to ward off evil spirits. So I like that he was prepared on two counts. And so year, years later, 
a couple of radio show hosts, and I want to preface this with they are morning shock jockeys. So, you know, we got to take their research with a grain of salt, but here, here's what it is. They said they tracked down, and I'm going to use better language than they did. Uh, they tracked down a little person by the name of Sean, who said that he was, in fact, the perpetrator behind the whole incident. According to him, he dressed up as a leprechaun and sat in a tree. He then asked his friends to go around town spreading the rumor. Everybody started to gather. And so, and then the news crews came. And then we have our 2006 viral Crichton leprechaun moment. And then lastly, on my sightings. So I, I am a huge fan of the r slash cryptozoology community, but they actually ended up taking this post down. So now it's on, over on r slash high strangeness. Uh, and the user's name is Jake Tinsley, WBC. And he is talking about his wife and him meeting a leprechaun in Texas. So they are out. And this is this is part of where I started looking into um, sort of the cautionary tale aspect. So his, him and his wife were out looking for a desk in Costco one rainy night. And they found they were carrying this desk out to the car in the rain when they were aggressively confronted by a tiny Irishman. Red hair, green eyes, freckles, and brogue is how he describes it. About three feet in height. His proportions were normal and proportional to said the height. He said his height was proportional as well. I don't know. He, he went into a lot of detail on that. Um, but he said he wasn't wearing anything special, just t-shirt and jogging pants with sneakers, no green, um, and just bright red hair. And he said that this leprechaun approached them and called them by name and was like asking them how, how they've been doing, how they were getting along, like, and started asking them, uh, lots of personal questions. Like, uh, like, you know, do you still live at the old house? Oh, good. That's an, that's an old sweet house. I love that house. And you know, like how, how's your grandmother? Do you talk to, you know, do you talk to your mother? And, uh, you know, and then the, the leprechaun's like, Oh, it's good that you keep an eye on your grandmother. Uh, she's very danger prone and asks like, how, how's your writing going? Just like a bunch of very specific things. And he's like very jovial and friendly about it. And uh, like he, he said that he didn't even notice, but he like extended his umbrella to put it over the, the man's head because he was getting soaked and like he was just trying to be polite, I guess. And then eventually uh, he he says he stops, he stops asking the questions and he gives them a mischievous smile with an eyebrow waggle and says, two cents for your two cents, hands them each two shiny pennies and walks away. Interesting. Yeah. So, and that, that fits with this whole idea of the leprechaun is giving you the opportunity to be rude so they can monkey paw you. Did they put the desk in the car first or was the desk just getting soaking wet? That's a good question. You know, he didn't specify. I, 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 I've been messaging with him. I should ask him. Did, did the desk get wet? But yeah, so I thought that was interesting. And I, I don't know. Maybe it was just a guy being strange. <laughs> Although it is it is weird that he knew oddly specific things about him, you know? I don't know. But that's the most modern sighting I, I had because uh, I read the story two days ago. So that's pretty recent. And Interesting. Was there anything special about the pennies? I know you said they were shiny, but like... Well, so some of the stuff I've seen about leprechauns says that they're never going to give you their gold, right? And like they they will give you like a little something, but never never the gold. And so I'm wondering if that's if that's the significance of the the pennies is just that it's like it's something for your time, but it's not greedy. It's not a lot. Um and and maybe in that sense it is actually like a truly good act because you're not expecting reward. I may have also been influenced. I just watched a Christmas Carol, the the FX version with Andy Serkis, and boy, is that a story about greed and very good. Uh, but I think that, that that might be influencing my color of leprechauns here too. But as they say, FX got the movies. Mm-hmm. FX do got the movies. So tell us. Speaking of movies, John, tell us about the pop culture of the leprechaun because holy hot damn, there's a lot. So pop culture. Um... Whew. Leprechauns are all over pop culture, especially in the modern day. You know, dating back to 1959, that's when Disney made Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Animated movie, very much in the old style. Um, they actually brought over some people who specialize in leprechauns to speak to the mythology as kind of subject matter experts. Um, Lucky is the leprechaun behind Lucky Charms cereal. 
we've touched on him a couple times. I think everybody knows about kind of the concept of the end of the rainbow um, in modern day and tracing it back to a pot of gold. Uh, a couple other things before, or a few other things before we get into kind of movies is Notre Dame, the university, not the cathedral. Um, they're based out of South Bend, Indiana. Their mascot is the Fighting Irish, and they have a dude who goes full leprechaun garb, and that's kind of his his shtick is he's a leprechaun. He's their mascot. So they they are the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, the Boston Celtics, a very storied team in the NBA, uh, obviously out of the Northeast, out of Boston. Their mascot is also a leprechaun. And then the WWE had a wrestler that was a little person. Uh, his name was, or his in-ring name was Hornswoggle. And his mythology was that he lived under the ring. <laughs> and then, Ashton, we get to movies. Oh, the wonderful, wonderful Leprechaun movies. Yeah, so the first one was actually a Disney movie. Um, it wasn't the first one, but the first one I want to touch on was a Disney movie called Luck of the Irish. And this was... Oh, yeah. Yeah, like a Disney TV movie. And the funny thing about it was Timothy Amundsen was the bad guy. He uh, plays Detective Lassie in Psych. He's also in This Is Us, which he plays a character who had a stroke in This Is Us, and it's after he had a stroke in real life. It's it's really weird to see, knowing like what he's gone through to like rehabilitate, but um, it's fascinating. Anyway, love that guy. Love him in Psych. But he plays uh, an evil leprechaun who puts a curse on a 15-year-old boy's family by stealing his gold medallion, his lucky gold medallion that he always relied on. And in the end, this 15-year-old has to beat a leprechaun in basketball. Leprechauns are three feet tall. That shouldn't be hard. In this one, Timothy Amundsen is not three feet tall. He's like a grown-ass man. So uh, that was the first one. Now, there are eight leprechaun movies that we need to touch on. Uh, one of them is in space. And they're all horror comedies. So like, you know, black comedy slashers. The first one is just called Leprechaun. And fun fact, it was actually Jennifer Aniston's film debut. That's amazing. Right? Like It's crazy. It's also considered her worst film that she's ever done. I mean, that's 93 too, which is like, she's not far off from making it in Friends. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's... Also sad, like Warwick Davis, he was doing shit. Like Willow had already come out at that point. What is he doing in these films? He made all six of them. Yeah, so like, what, but what's he doing? Like He's a talented guy. First... He doesn't need to do Leprechaun. Maybe he just liked it. Maybe, I guess. <laughs> just why six? He made six of them. Anyway, so another thing is this movie takes place in North Dakota. I don't know of many movies that take place in North Dakota. But anyway, so this dude brings back a pot of gold from his native Ireland. The evil Leprechaun, played by Warwick Davis, follows him, murders his wife, and then this dude ends up sealing him in a box with the, quote, power of a four-leaf clover and planned to burn him alive, but had a stroke before that. Oh, of course. Ten years later, a new family comes into the house, and the leprechaun poses as a child that's been trapped, and these teenagers, or high schoolers, set him free. A bunch of weird shit happens, and, like... They go to a hospital, and the leprechaun follows them to the hospital on a tricycle. Um, the leprechaun, at one point, while looking for his treasure, is sh like just impulsively shines everybody's shoes. And then there's one point where he rams a truck with a go-kart. And then, do you know how they defeat the leprechaun, Ashton? How? They put a four-leaf clover into a wad of gum and shoot it into his mouth. And then he falls down a well, but his skeleton tries to climb out. So they push the skeleton back down and then blow it up with gasoline. Classic. Work for, it worked there for Jaws. Eight. Of course, it's going to work for Leprechaun. There are eight of these fucking movies. Leprechaun 1, 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. Leprechaun 2 is even more batshit, and I'm not going to go into everything, but like, at one point, the Leprechaun tricks a dude into kissing running lawnmower blades <laughs> because the dude thinks they're boobs. <laughs> um, in this one, Cast Iron is the leprechaun's weakness. Okay. Uh, and to be fair, they do touch on the three wishes thing where 
uh, when the leprechaun is trapped in a cast iron safe, uh, one of the people who is greedy force extorts three wishes out of him, and he wishes for his pot of gold, which appears in the dude's stomach. His second wish accidentally frees the leprechaun, and then his third wish is, get this pot of gold off out of me. So what does the leprechaun do? He rips open the dude's stomach and kills him. Nice. That one has a 6%, so they're going downhill. They don't have much further they can go. Leprechaun 3 takes place in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, it does. That's all I'm really going to touch on there. Gold pieces in Vegas. 0% for that one. <laughs> Leprechaun 4 is in space and is about a leprechaun marrying the leader of a group of aliens, but then space marines come and fuck all sorts of shit up. And then at one point, somebody is injected with the DNA of an alien mixed with a scorpion mixed with the tarantula, and they defeat the leprechaun by hitting him with the opposite of a shrink ray, a growth ray, and make him explode a spaceship, I guess? Yeah, that one. Um, that one has a 14%, so they were going back up now. Okay. You know, <laughs> we're going on the way back up. So Leprechaun 5 is Leprechaun in the Hood, and it takes place in L.A. Um, it has iced tea in it. And in short, with Leprechaun 5, Ice-T is a music producer, and he and a friend break into somebody's house, and there's a leprechaun that is a frozen statue, and Ice-T takes a leprechaun flute, his friend takes a gold medallion off this statue. The statue comes to life because it's a leprechaun and kills Ice-T's friend. Ice-T uses the leprechaun flute to put the leprechaun back in stasis. So maybe that's where that whole thing comes from. Maybe. That is a high point for the series so far at 30%. <laughs> okay. Probably because it has Ice-T in it. Anyway, 20 years later, Ice-T is this you know, hot, super good music producer. A bunch of young... Young Guns come out, and they're trying to make it big on the music scene. They end up breaking into Ice-T's house, steal a bunch of shit because he wouldn't pick them up on his label. Um, they steal the flute, and basically just a bunch of crazy shit happens. Um, Ice-T has his upper torso exploded, but somehow does something with the medallion in the end that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but the leprechaun ends up smoking a joint laced with four-leaf clovers and that he's tricked into that and that's how he's stripped of his powers wow in leprechaun six back to the hood all i'm gonna say is now they're lacing hollow point bullets with four-leaf clovers that one stars kirk sticky fingers jones and has an 18 percent. that is his name not his character <laughs> good old sticky fingers. good old no, sticky thing guys F-I-N-G-A-Z. Sticky Fingers Jones. Oh, okay. Sticky Fingers. We all know him. Um, now, they made two more of them. Uh, one was called Leprechaun Origins. One was called Leprechaun Returns. And at this point in my research, I wondered what life decisions it took for <laughs> me to research six Leprechaun movies. And I said, no more. Yeah. I'm done with it. And that's pop culture. Um, Apparently, that, that Leprechaun Returns, by the way... Uh, that is the high point of the series at 40%. Uh, Leprechaun Origins was another 0% movie. So just that and Leprechaun 3 are both the bottom of the barrel. <sighs> Incredible. I, I don't think Nightmare on Elm Street was this bad. Or Halloween, like, 3 through 6 were this bad. Yeah, I mean, and like Nightmare on Elm Street, that went on, uh, God... Like way, way too long, and they, they or no, they didn't go to space. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth went to space. Yeah, yeah. Jason Voorhees was in space. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting how you can go to space, and then there's new lows that you can hit. I know. Yeah. God. Ugh. Well. All right. So so now that we've taken that little detour, uh, John, what do you think of Leprechaun myths? So I, yeah, I mean, like, okay, is there is there any possibility in your mind that leprechauns are real or were real? I mean, yeah, I think there is a possibility just because when you look at how deep the earth can go in subterranean tunnels, I mean, <laughs> God damn it. there, there's just <laughs> the possibilities are infinite, but also the whole concept of them being tricksters and being able to fool people into thinking one thing or another, that's a big opportunity for, just us to miss things 
uh, the other thing that comes to mind is they're not evil. They're not malicious. So they would be able to hide because they, they wouldn't be doing anything that would, you know, catch our eye as humans. And I mean, as humans, if we find something, we want to kill it and we would probably drive it to extinction. So that's why they said that, that, uh, that, also that's why they said is, that endangered thing in, in Ireland. That's why there's 236 that are protected. Yeah. I mean, there, and there are those 236, but I mean, it does come down to, it's, it's another very commercialized myth, but it has been around for fucking years. And this is one of those myths that, I mean, most of our cryptids were developed in the 1930s or onward. And this is one that has been around for thousands and thousands of years. Yeah, certainly Wait, most no, American hundreds cryptids. hundreds and hundreds of years. Sorry, 800. Well, I mean, yeah, because America's only like 200 years old. Well, okay. So actually, I take, I take that back, actually, because uh, I, I take that back. There, there's two types of American. There are the Native American myths, which are much older because, you know. Wendigos and stuff, Because, yeah. you know, Native Americans, the first people. Uh, but then there's, then there are the, like the hodag, which is 1800s, uh, jackalopes, which are around like 1800s, 1900s. I can't remember. Um, like there's like that modern American commercialized myth, uh, that I think is, 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 is sort of separate. Um, I am, I'm more interested in finding more that are based in, in native myths, because I, I do think they tend to be more interesting. Like we, we did our American folklore episode and I think that just shows that it's like a lot, a lot of those later American myths are just born out of like dollar signs. Yeah. But like even Tessie has origins that date back to native Americans. Yeah, that's true. That's true. One, one day we will find enough. Uh, Benjamin Radford, funny enough, when I interviewed him said that he would send me, the, the research that he had on Tessie if I wanted to look into it more. So it, it might be, it might be one of my future projects to just find out more about Tessie. Cause there's not a ton out there. Yeah. I was going to say you should get that just because that's one of the ones that we wanted to potentially do a long form episode on. But when we started researching it further, it's like, Oh no, we actually did just cover it in like eight minutes. Yeah. We did Mongolian deathworms instead, which still love that episode. Uh, no, that was a great episode. So, for me, and you know, it's funny. I forgot to mention this when we were in pop culture, but so the the image of Leprechaun that stuck most with me, probably just because it was one of the more recent, was was that in the American Gods TV show, and that is the the premise of that TV show. For those who haven't uh, seen it, and it's kind of like I think it dovetails nicely with some of the folklore we're looking at, is that gods that have come to America come because beliefs follow them from the old world. So if people in the new world believe in these gods, then they, then they still have power in America and they're still here. And the, the idea was that the leprechaun comes to America because there are these Irish immigrants who come to America and bring the myth of the leprechaun with them over time. And in, in this version, he carries with him a gold coin and it's a single gold coin and that's his luck. And at one point he loses that gold coin and like just a whole host of bad shit starts happening around him. Like he's a mythical being, so he can't really die, but everybody around him starts dying in horrible ways. And it's pretty great. And uh, like that coin actually has the power to temporarily resurrect people. It was very interesting. Uh, the first season of American Gods, very good. I have not watched anything past that, so I can't. And the book is amazing too. But as far as like believing in leprechauns, I think, I think I'm a hard pass on this one. Like, yeah, it, that yeah. they could have ever lived. Yeah, I mean that forces you to believe in magic and illusions. Yeah, that's, and that's that a good stuff. point. Yeah, and I think that that's I think it's a bridge too far for me. I don't. I I you know I'm I'm, I'm open to the idea of it, but I have not seen anything that believes me that magic or spirits exists. Um, and so for that reason, I'm uh, I'm weighing in. I'm saying I do not believe that there are leprechauns or were leprechauns. So if I die in some horribly unlucky way after this, uh, you know why. Warwick Davis did it. Well, and I don't think it's horribly unlucky. I think it's if you die and it looks like you thought something good was going to happen to you. Yeah. Ugh. Like, oh, I wanted a, you know, a bunch of gold and then you were struck in the head by a solid gold bar and it caved your head in. And yeah, that's. So if I die in a way that's ironic, then then we know why. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's accurate. Yep. Well, cool. I mean, this is a good myth. So thanks for thanks for suggesting it, John. And then I want to say uh Thanks, thanks to our people on Instagram and the people who've reached out with email with suggestions. Like, we really do appreciate them. And, you know, we will do more cryptid follow-ups. Uh, you know, it's a bit awkward this time, but I'll find a way to get it in that works. 
This is what we always do. That's that's what he said. Oh no! Oh no! What have I done? What have All I right, done? So Ash, what's on tap? What are we doing next? So it's Tyler's turn to pick, and he's not here. Cryptid Cinema cast with a friendly ghost. Yeah. So crypt. Oh, that that is what's on tap next. Actually, is Cryptid Cinema uh, Tremors, which uh, that we are going to do a. We're going to bring on a guest host as well from. Uh, but, well, from Cinema De- or God, that's Cinema Decrypted. That's us from Esoterica Cinema. Uh, his name is Jason Peters. He also uh, he, he's the founder of Aberrant Literature, who publishes all my books. And his podcast is pretty sweet. So he's going to come on and talk Tremors with us. Well, cool. Hey, so everybody else out there, keep sending your suggestions. Yep. We've gotten some really good ones that way. I think we got the Wendigo that way. I'm pretty sure we got in Kelly Bembe that way. So yep. keep them coming. It's really fascinating to see what's coming up. And thank you for your support. I've had. We've had a, a few messages through Instagram suggesting things, um, just saying that you're fans of the show, and that keeps us going, and that keeps us excited to do this. So, yep. Hell yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Oh, yeah, and thanks to everybody who bought books, too. Apparently, a lot of you did that, and I appreciate it. <laughs> man, oh, man, what a ride that was leprechauns uh, you know who knew they had uh, such a storied history with warwick davis i just want to say shout out to john for that pop culture segment it's probably my favorite pop culture segment we've ever done and uh i can safely say i think we saved you from watching those movies uh listen if you have suggestions for what's up next like we said please contact us um and you know we're trying to figure out new ways to interact with the community so if you have any ideas of uh, how you'd like us to interact with you let us know we are on instagram uh, search for Cryptids Decrypted. We are on Twitter, at Cast Decrypted. Uh, that Twitter likes to drag me a lot, and, uh, you know, that's fine. That's, uh, they, they do what they want. Um, you know, other things that I've been thinking about doing is maybe doing a, a live cryptid movie uh, where we discuss it and watch it with all of you. I don't know if you're interested in that. You know, this is the end of the podcast, so if you're here, you guys are the, the, the true blue fans. So if you have anything, like, please let us know. Uh, message us on Twitter. Uh, send us an email at cryptidsdecrypted at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, that's that's all I've got. Uh, hope your new year is going well and hope you are all staying safe. <laughs>